Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And here we go. Welcome, everybody, to Just Recruiting with Jonathan Rifkin. If you heard me clear my throat, I apologize. I thought I had my mic muted. No, that was not shade at Todd Brenneman, who uh, was just suspended by the Reds for doing something stupid. Just be better, folks. Be better when you have mics in front of your mouth. I guess that's how we're going to get the show started. Welcome, everybody, to Just Recruiting with Jonathan Rifkin here on RU Serious Sports and Landry Football, Twitch, Periscope, Twitter, and a Facebook available for playback and audio version and podcast form across all listening platforms. Make sure you hit up the Landry Football Conference call for all of your AYS SEC edition and just recruiting audio playback needs. Special thanks to Blake Rafino and Doobie Lane. Doobie is not in studio for me today. It is just me, myself, and I. And of course, you, no matter how you're watching or where you're watching the show, we appreciate you making us a part of your busy Thursday afternoon plans. We got a lot to get into, guys. I mean, eligibility is being discussed. Pac-12 players are transferring to be able to play in fall. All of this affects recruiting. And I want to get to it. I also want to get to some talking points about questions that haven't been answered for recruits, such as if I'm a recruit who plays fall football in high school and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have spring football, will I be allowed to play two seasons in a year? We're going to talk about that. But first, I want to address something 
from last night when boss man Blake decided to demote me on the show. I got demoted to intern, and I want to tell you all that I'm okay with this decision. Blake is a very smart man, and so I understand that I've been getting support from all over. the. I got letters mailed to me saying, oh, don't worry. We'll, we'll tell boss man Blake that we you deserve all the accolades. Don't worry. We'll tweet at boss man Blake at RU Serious Sports. We'll Facebook message him. We're going to snail mail him a recommendation to promote you back to your previous position. I appreciate that, all of you AYSers out there. I appreciate that. Yes, get on Blake Rafino's bottom about my demotion. Help my job security. And the best way to do that, everybody, if you really want to help my job security after I was demoted last night on live, live stream, TV, whatever you want to call it, rate, review, and subscribe to the show, okay? Go hit that like button. Go hit that subscribe button if you're on uh, if you are on Twitter or on Twitch, because it helps my job security. I got demoted to intern. I don't, you know, I've worked very hard to get to this point. My job security now relies on all of you as our loyal and lovely viewers and listeners. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe, not just to just recruiting, but to everything on the Landry Football Network and everything on RU Serious Sports. Some big things coming. I'll make sure to hold off on making any announcements until Bossman Blake gives me the okay. A lot to get into today, and I want to start with this. Two very prominent Pac-12 players have announced yesterday that they are entering the transfer portal Portal, excuse me, in hopes of playing fall football. What does that mean? Well, Colin Schooler and Brendan Schooler, by the way, Colin Schooler from the University of Arizona was the Pac-12 freshman defensive player of the year. With that being said... Oh, I just got to, I'm going to, Jordan Taylor, I hear you, buddy. I'm going to get to your comment. That's funny, but I really want to get through this first. So with that being said, that's a big loss, right? Okay, so the conversation has been, are players from the conferences, from the Power 5 conferences, the Big 10 and the Pac-12, going to transfer in hopes of playing the fall? If they do, when and how? Are there going to be eligibility problems? Are they going to retain scholarships? We still don't know if they're going to retain scholarships. Right now, the answer is no. Right now, you will go and be a walk-on if you transfer, but you will be granted immediate eligibility. That is a big deal. With that being said, you're putting your eggs in a basket and with the assumption that you're going to play football in the fall. So if I'm Colin Schooler, who is a top five linebacker in terms of tackles in the Pac-12 from the University of Arizona, and I'm looking at schools in the SEC or the Big 12 or the ACC. Yes, that the catch-22 here is that I get to play football in fall. But what if I only make it through a game and I put myself in a more compromising situation as a program, right? If I leave Arizona to go to Baylor, because they're one of the only schools that may offer me a scholarship or, or let me start right away, that means that I'm putting making the assumption that Baylor is going to play just for me, right? I'm not going to win at Baylor. Baylor's not going to win the Big 12, we think. Uh, and Arizona, honestly, from a linebacking perspective, right now is better. We've seen the development. So you're putting yourself in a potentially compromising situation with the hopes that you're able to play this fall and it, with the hopes that you're improving your potential draft stock. Colin Schooler will be a first-round draft look by the time he's a junior in college. But does this hurt or really help him at the end of the day, leaving Arizona an established program where he already won Pac-12 Freshman Defensive Player of the Year? It's it's a really tough situation to be in. All right, jo Jordan Taylor, what's going on, man? Got a buddy of mine I work with here in Louisiana that is a huge Oregon fan, and he hasn't been right 
Hasn't been right since the announcement. Still upset. I can't imagine. Yeah, it's been tough, Jordan. Um, you know, I grew up a USC fan. My my mom, my dad, and my both my grandparents went to USC. I was a third generation Trojan who didn't get into USC. For your information, uh, so I grew up a Pac-12 fan. I went to Oregon, covered the Pac-12, host the Pac-12 podcast. It's devastating, but at the same time. I'm okay with the decision from the Pac-12 perspective because I think that the Pac-12 itself is infrastructurally flawed. That leadership needs to change. That Larry Scott needs to go. So I'm okay with the decision because at the end of the day, it was made not like with the Big Ten. And I know that we hear Kevin Warren coming out yesterday and you heard on Rufino's rants. He got the Rudy Poo of the day yesterday. And I don't. it's weird to say that with a, South, uh, with a West Coast accent, right? Like Rudy Poo. It sounds gross. When Blake says it, it sounds... It's, it sounds the way it's supposed to be said. So I'm not going to say it anymore on this show. But you heard Blake talk about it yesterday with, with Commissioner Warren. Infrastructure starts at the top. So, yes, it sucks that the Pac-12 doesn't have football. Yeah, I wish Oregon was on that field. But at the end of the day, they made a decision because they know that their players and their programs aren't protected by the hierarchy of the league. And you have to make a decision that is in the best interest of your programs and your players, the health and safety. And so I'm okay with the decision. You know why I'm okay with the decision even more, Jordan? Because I'm not just a Pac-12 fan. I'm not just an Oregon fan. I love college football. I love it. So you're going to sit here and, and, and say, oh, you're an Oregon homer. You're a Pac-12 homer. Sure, maybe that's my background. But I'm going to be watching as much SEC as I can. I'm going to be watching as much Big 12 ACC as I can. I'm going to be watching the Sun Belt and Conference USA. Because all of that is really important. All of that, the, 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 the leagues that play, this fall, if they do, they are going to pave a picture or paint a picture of what the next few years are going to look like. Remember, coronavirus is going to be around. I don't care. I know that I'm predominantly speaking to people in, the, in, in parts of the country that, you know, we're all over it. But it's going to be it, the reality of the situation is that it's going to be a part of our lives for a while until every single person gets vaccinated or enough or we build up immunity. And it's enough already to get people tested, much less get vaccinated. So if you're banking on that... You have to plan accordingly. And the, the, the conferences that are playing this fall are going to be that blueprint. So, yeah, again, it, it, it sucks, man. But at the end of the day, it's okay because there's going to be something, at least for the time being, and it's going to give us a better direction of what everybody needs to do moving forward to be consistent and cohesive to make sure that we have this thing back where we want it to be, college football, that is, and that all of the players and the athletes, the coaches, the administration, the schools are all protected uh, in terms of health and health and safety as well. Remember, I know we're not all on board for the financial aspect of things, but can't get, you can't offer scholarships to players if you don't have the money to do it. So, yeah, you, you kind of have to be okay with some of these schools protecting their financial interests, but it can't come at the expense of the players. So keep that in mind. Let's go back to our conversation here about transfers. So, a top five linebacker in the Pac-12 has announced that he's going to transfer in terms of tackles. Pac-12 freshman, defensive player of the year. His brother, who transferred from Oregon to Arizona to play last year, barely played, uh, is transferring three schools now in three years should he go somewhere else. The question here is, well, how does that affect recruiting? And it actually really hurts these schools. You may be like, oh, if I'm a linebacker and I see a, a, a spot open up at a Power 5 school, to start, when I'm in high school, I'm going to jump at that opportunity. No, that's not how it's going to work. Because unfortunately, you want to go to a school that you're going to trust. And right now, the schools that are playing in fall are going to be the schools that most high schoolers are going to look at as the blueprint of where to go and what and, and their progress come their future as or their future careers. Right? You don't want to go to the Pac-12 
or the Big Ten right now. You want to go to a conference that has their best, the best interests of playing while health and safety is still on the table in mind, right? And right now, that's not the Pac-12 or the Big Ten. The Pac-12 may be health and safety, but you still want to go to a place that's trying to play. So, yeah, Arizona might have a prime linebacker spot open, but if I'm a recruit, that's not appealing to me because they're not playing anyways. It doesn't matter. Now, if everybody gets shut down, if the SEC, the Big 12, the ACC, and all the group of fives that are trying to get this thing done, shout out Citadel for scheduling a non-conference game against Clemson. I believe I saw Texas University of Texas San Antonio also schedule one against a So there are non-conference games on the slate. These poor schools are going to get absolutely slapped around during this pandemic if this does happen. But uh, if everybody takes a step back and there's nobody you playing uh, come October, November, December, well, then that levels the playing field again. But then that also hurts those transfers, right? If I'm if I'm schooler and I transfer uh, to Texas A&M to ha- have start and, and try and, you know, add depth to their linebacking position, but then they decide that not they decide they as you see doesn't happen. Am I in a better position at AM than I was at Arizona where, where I was already established? I knew the playbook, I knew the players, I was a all conference player. Probably not. So there's a big catch 22 that goes into this entire situation. There's a lot of caveats. Remember, these guys, these guys are 18 to 23 years old, right? They're going to do what they feel is best for them, where the guidance of their advisors and their parents and their families, uh, with all of that in mind. So you know, we don't, we just don't know, but it, there is an inherent effect on all of this with recruiting. And that's what the point of the show is, right? We are trying to find the answers to pressing questions in the world of recruiting and college football players transferring out of conferences that aren't playing this fall to play this fall in conferences elsewhere has an impact on recruiting. And it's not just now it's for years to come because this infrastructure is going to be replaced. I'm telling you that right now, you can mark it on your calendar, 12, 13, Pacific time, 8-20-20, Wow. We are going to see a change in infrastructure from the NCAA level, from the Power 5 level, but when, we don't know. So this, uh, the, these decisions that are being made are going to affect the landscape for the near future. And that's why we have to have these conversations. Keep in mind the recruiting impact, because none of this happens if you can't build a program around elite young talent. Because in football, you're, there are no one and dones. You can't just leave after your first season like you can in basketball. And that's why you see schools who are consistently able to recruit really good talent get absolutely screwed in basketball. UCLA is a really good example of that. Oregon, where I'm from, is another one. Tyler Dorsey, Troy Brown, Bulbul, right? Alabama, we saw that with Colin Sexton. Florida, we see it, you know, we see it all over the place. Heck, at Louisiana Tech, we saw Paul Millsap. Yeah, I bet you don't remember that Paul Millsap went to Louisiana Tech. Oh, how about Pat Beverly at Louisiana Lafayette? Right? It's different in football. You're not one and done. You are there for three years. And you have to find a way to be consistent and to make a name. And now more than ever, it is just that much harder. And if I'm a recruit, I'm going to a program that's right now establishing a presence in fall because I need the consistency that I'm accustomed to to be a part of my future. So Brandon Schooler and Colin Schooler, two elite defensive players out of the Pac-12, have announced that they are transferring. Where are they going to go? I don't know. Is it going to work out for them? I hope so. Because at the end of the day, we're all fans of the sport, which means we want all of these athletes to be successful. I don't care if you're an Alabama fan and something happens at Auburn. 
right now in coronavirus times when health and safety is the, uh, the paramount part of the conversation, we are rooting for the success of these athletes as a whole. Because without these athletes, without Auburn, there's no, there's no Iron Bowl for Alabama. Without Ole Miss, there's no Egg Bowl for Mississippi State, right? I can't talk about the Civil War anymore because we're not allowed to call it the Civil War. So we need to keep in mind that we need rivalries, that we need this bad blood in college football. That's what makes it so special. That's what makes it the greatest sport in America. But it starts with the health and the safety of these players and recruiting. You know, and we need a root for everybody here. And we need to have all of their best interests in mind. Just a reminder, Blake Rafino will be back with you tonight for the AYS SEC edition at 7 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock here on the Pacific Time Zone. It's a nice day outside here in San Diego, California. 65 degrees. How about that? It was 84 and 80% humidity two days ago. Here at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, it is 65 degrees on the Pacific Coast, just 10 minutes down from the beautiful beaches here in San Diego. Like I said, AOIS, SEC edition, 7 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock here on the Pacific, 8 o'clock on the East Coast time. Blake has a lot to talk about. Um, we'll see again. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's going to help my job security if you do. Hit that like button. Hit that share button. Hit that subscribe button across all listening platforms. Make sure you listen back to us on the Chris Landry Football Conference call as well across all listening platforms. Let's move along here to eligibility and how eligibility and the conversations surrounding eligibility are going to have an impact on recruiting because the schools that are playing this fall and the schools that are going to have players out there that play this fall and still retain a year, a full year of eligibility are going to be in a very peculiar spot. And at the same time, the schools that aren't playing this fall are going to be in a peculiar spot. Why? Because I guarantee you, you are going to see not only decommits, as we've been talking about, Jack Sawyer, who I think is probably going to decommit from Ohio State, the number one defense or offensive tackle in the nation, third ranked recruit in the nation. I think he's going to decommit come February. Jake Garcia, who's at Voltosta High School in, uh, in Georgia, who transferred from the Harbor out in Orange County, California, com currently committed to Southern California. He's supposed to enroll in January. Is he going to stand committed? Maybe. I don't know. But an extra layer of this conversation now has to be put forth. Brett McMurphy from Stadium yesterday broke the story that tomorrow the conversation by the rules committee will be had, but it looks like they're leaning on allowing every single player from the fall season, whether they play or not, whether they play one game or 12 games, will get another year of eligibility back. By the way, that should scare you if you hate Clemson because in the hypothetical situation that Trevor Lawrence doesn't want to go to the NFL or, or Travis Etienne doesn't want to go to the NFL, guess what? Or Xavier, uh, the defense back, you know what I'm talking about. That, I mean, Trevor Lawrence would have three years of eligibility left. Travis Etienne would have two years of eligibility left. Can you imagine if you get five combined more years from those two guys in that program? And then you would see DJ Uwagalele probably transfer. But that's probably not going to happen. What is going to happen is you're probably going to see somebody like a Felipe Franks at Arkansas who just transferred. They have four quarterbacks on their depth chart play out the season and, and try to retain a year of eligibility. Kellen Mond probably try to retain a year of eligibility. We'll see what happens in Oklahoma, but it's between Mordecai and Rattler, one of those guys. These guys who know that they're going to have draft stock but can push it 
you have nothing to lose right now if you're not a first, second, or third round pick and you think that you have the potential to go up higher by playing next season and retaining that eligibility. But what you're doing is absolutely screwing the upcoming recruiting classes because now you're setting them back an entire year, if not even more, if you choose to stay longer. And you're setting back the players on the roster who have been waiting for their chance to play. They're probably going to transfer. So it's amazing. I love that this conversation is being had. It is really important and it's really good. What's up, Bayou Brian? I guess we haven't been fully introduced. Bayou Brian, my name is Jonathan Rifkin. I am new here to Are You Serious? I host a recruiting show. Uh, it, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I hope you like it. I hope you like it. No bayous here in Southern California, though. So if you could, if you can educate me a little bit on what it's like down in the bayou, I'd appreciate that. I don't get a lot of those conversations uh, with Doobie Lane and Blake Rafino. So bayou, Brian, I would really want to hear your input. What what is a bayou like? Because I'm not the only bayou I've ever been at, folks, is the one at Disneyland that they created in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. That's how uneducated I am about the geography and the topography of some of these southern places. So. Bayou Brian, I'm relying on you here, man, to educate me a little bit. And I'm going to educate you on recruiting. And we're going to have a conversation about college football every single Tuesday and Thursday here on IAYS and Landry Football Network. So if you don't know who I am, we're gonna, we have a lot of time to get acquainted with each other. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Please comment. Please call. Not today. Do not call 225-238-6075 today. Doobie Lane is not back in studio to answer your call. I'm not gonna post that one here on the stream, Brian. Um, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna refrain from answering. You can take that how you want. Let's go back to this transfer conversation. Okay, so how does a year, or excuse me, eligibility conversation? So how does a year of eligibility retained for all athletes, whether or not you play, affect recruiting? I alluded to for years to come. If Spencer Rattler decides right now, Oklahoma has the number one quarterback commit in the nation, and Caleb Williams out of Gonzaga High School. Thank you, Jonathan Taylor. I appreciate it. I appreciate the support and the love. Keep those comments rolling. Ask questions, guys. Tell me your thoughts. What do you do? You think? Do you think that there's any shot that Trevor Lawrence stays for another year because he has eligibility? Do you think that there's a shot that you know Arkansas? We're going to see Felipe Franks for four more years because this guy. I, I, I don't get me wrong. He has raw talent, but he just couldn't stay healthy at Florida, and now he's on a. a, a a team with four quarterbacks on their depth chart, his job isn't even safe. Kellen Mond at Texas A&M, right? Even here on the West Coast, Keaton Slovis at USC, he broke out last year. Davis Mills at Stanford. What about, uh, I don't know, there's just, John Reese, uh, what's his name? Help me out, guys, from Ole Miss. Help me out here. John Reese, I can't believe his name is escaping me. That is quite... Uh, that is quite embarrassing as my job is to know these guys. John Reese Plumley. There you go. John Reese Plumley. Well, all these guys have talent. All these guys will probably at some point have aspirations to at least make it to the next level. Who are the ones that are going to elect to stay? And that will hurt recruiting at those schools and especially the big schools, right? If I'm at Florida, I'm not going to name any names specifically, but I'm at Florida and I know that we're gearing up to make a push at an SEC title. Because we have the roster, we have the assets, whether or not they pan out to compete with Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and Georgia. Am I really going to want to leave if we're in a position after playing, hopefully, a season this year, and we see progress? Probably not. 
So if I'm a recruit, if I'm Jake Garcia, you know, let, let's let's use Jake Garcia at USC for, as an example. I think that that is probably the most prominent one. Again, a guy who's transferred from Southern California. He played now at four schools in four years. He was supposed to be a state champion at Narbonne High School in Harbor City, California, uh, but they had eligibility issues, so they were stripped of their title. Their head coach uh, had resigned. He's now at St. Bernard, who fields the third-rated cornerback in the class of 2021, committed it to Arizona State University. Just a little side note here. Um, but my point is, if I'm Jake Garcia, and I see Keaton Slovis had a breakout season last year, and, and odds are Keaton Slovis now has at least three years of eligibility at Southern California, if not maybe even four, because this becomes a super, guys, this becomes a super senior, right? Baseball has the super senior aspect to it, where if you're a fifth year, you can just go and, and, and get a master's and retain that fifth year. Basketball has the same thing. Football doesn't. That's what this ends up happening or becoming. You just get super senior rights, basically. So if I'm Jake Garcia and I look at Southern California and I see that Keaton Slovis has three, if not even four years of eligibility left. By the way, they already have a five-star quarterback committed who's playing at modern day. I'm less inclined to go there because I want to have a successful career, but I want to get to the NFL and I don't want to sit behind this guy or go to the school and then have to transfer. And by the way, backup quarterbacks at USC, shout out Georgia and JT Daniels. I know he got injured. Jack Sears at San Diego state, Max Brown, who transferred very quickly after uh, the blow up loss to Alabama at Jerry world. USC has a, has a has a history of, of backup quarterbacks transferring. So if I'm Jake Garcia, I don't want to sit behind a guy with that many years of eligibility. I just don't. And guess what? That is also going to hurt recruiting for the next few years. Because eligibility for freshmen means four years. And if I redshirt, it's another four years, which only adds to the depth chart. I'm going to go to a place as a high-end recruit where I'm going to go and shine as quickly as possible. Which is why you are going to see, not in 2021, I don't think, but I think in 2022, the residual effects of this class of 2022 and so on, the class of 2023, we are going to see big names commit to programs that you may not necessarily think. Now, I know UCF, I know Boise State, I know even like New Mexico and Utah State are accustomed to getting blue chip. Uh, when I say blue chip, I mean lower end four star, higher end three stars here and there. But we're, we may see a five-star who is committed to a, a program, go to a lower-end power five school or, or a top-class group of five school because they don't want to be buried in the depth chart because now all of a sudden, the guy that they're supposed to come in and replace has two more years of eligibility. It's going to be a massive headache for everybody, for you as the fans, for me, as the coverage, as the media, as the personality, for the coaches, for the schools, and for the recruit and their family because now it's, okay, where can I play that safest? Where can I play... That's going to give me the best opportunity to show my skills, to express my passion, and also get to the next level. But where am I going to be able to do that in a timely manner? And that elevates my game. And right now, big programs are going to retain much of their talent. It's just how it's going to be. It's the nature of the situation that we're in. And everybody says that they know. No, none of you know. Nobody knows if they tell you that they know, that they know what is going to happen as it, as it pertains to college football, 
where we're going from here, conferences and recruiting, they're all wrong. I'm sorry, you're just wrong. You're wrong right now. You may end up being right, but you don't know because every single decision, every single conversation that we had from March until now, there's always been a caveat. And every day something new is coming out that is not contradicting because all of this is speculation anyways, but is going against what we've been speculating. And that's why you have guys like Clay Travis and Darren Ravel, who is a big hot topic on AYS, that's why you have these guys doubling back on everything that they're saying. Because the state of these are the guys who get paid to say that they know and to try and get clicks. And we're buying into it. If I'm sitting here talking five minutes about Darren Ravel, who cares if I'm trash talking him? That's publicity. That's what Darren Ravel wants. That's his job. But he also doesn't want to look like a fool. So he goes and doubles back on what he originally said. Now he's in on the national scale and he's been doing it for a long time. And the dude has over 2 million Twitter followers. So yeah, he sort of has to, but regional guys, local guys, guys like me who are just starting out in this industry, we speculate all the time, but we don't have to double back, but we don't know. It's, it's just that simple. Nobody knows. Take everything with a grain of salt because things are going to change. It's going to become very sticky in the, in the sense of recruiting. The big question is, the big question is, if it doesn't work, if the SEC, the, the ACC and the Big 12 try, I'm not going to say fail because honestly, tr- failing at this point is, is, is a decent alternative to playing a season because at least you're getting the safety of your players at the end of the day. But if they try and it doesn't work, what's the residual in recruiting then? Is it different than all these guys going out and playing in fall and still gaining a year of eligibility back because it's almost like they never played to begin with. The answer is yes, there is still going to be a different effect. I want to say what's up to Esteban real quick. What's going on, Esteban? Go Tigers. See, we spell go G-O here on the West Coast. I'm learning something new every day. Yes, I knew. I know that. I, I understand the lingo. Don't worry. That was a joke. Uh, by the way, biggest mistake, I'm telling you, uh, was, was letting Coach O go from USC. It was terrible. Jordan Taylor, Lawrence has a national title and the number one pick locked up. Potential Heisman this year. He's not coming back. No chance. Absolutely right. Wishful thinking. It's not even wishful thinking. Are you really rooting for the guy if you want him to come back? Because he's going to be a star of the NFL and you want to just see Clemson dominate for another two or three years. Guess what? DJ Ugalele is going to lead that team to probably a number one preseason poll in the upcoming years and competitiveness at the at the national level we know that so there's no reason to want trevor lawrence to come back unless you just absolutely love the guy you're a diehard clemson fan and you don't care about nfl football which there's a lot of you out there there's a lot of college football fans that don't care about the nfl and so you you put yourself into this box right where you say oh i want this guy to come back because he's gonna help my team yeah but it doesn't benefit him at all and that's what jordan's saying jordan you hit the nail on the head there is no reason. And guess what? If you win a Heisman this year, are you really winning a Heisman? Yeah. But is there an asterisk? Yeah. Just like everybody's saying, if there's a college football playoff championship, there's a massive asterisk next to it. Just like in the NBA, whoever wins the NBA championship, apparently there's an asterisk next to it. Now that one I disagree with, but we can have that conversation at a different time, maybe later on in this show. There's no, there's just no point. The climate is so messed up. Trevor Lawrence wants to play football. They're going to try and play football. I I love it and I support it. Go to the NFL. Go get paid 
and be part. You know what's funny is we all complained about the NFL infrastructure for years, and yeah, there's a lot, a lot of problems. But they're doing better than the NCAA right now because at least they have a unified hierarchy that is able to move forward with a consistent plan that all 32 teams can try and at least execute. Now, some teams are trying to let fans in the stadium. Some teams aren't. That's besides the point. The point is, if you have a chance to go to the NFL, go to the NFL. Don't stay in this this, this dysfunctional organization and hierarchy in the NCAA. Go get paid. Go be part of an infrastructure that you can feel like, not only as a player, but as a person, you can hone your skills, your strengths, and develop your, through your weaknesses. It's not going to happen if you decide that you want to play in the next two years just because you want to play because you retain a year of eligibility. It doesn't make sense to root for these players to come back if they have that opportunity. People are saying, oh, Panea Sewell is going to transfer from Oregon. Arguably. Now, I don't think it's arguably, and you could call that my West Coast Oregon bias. He's going to be the first offensive lineman taken off the board, and he's probably the top offensive tackle in the nation. But there's no reason for him to, tra- to transfer. He already he got a Heisman vote last year. He's an offensive lineman. He got a Heisman vote. That's the biggest win as you can get besides winning a national championship. There's no reason for him to transfer. He's going to be the first one off the board. There's no reason for him to retain his year of eligibility and go back to Oregon. It doesn't make any sense, and we shouldn't be rooting for that. What we should be rooting for is for these players to make an informed decision that is best for them. Because, again, we are now in a situation that goes beyond fandom for a team. We have to put that aside and support what's best for the players, not just the players in your conference or for your team, but as a whole, because college football only works with consistency. Are you guys all happy that Ohio State, Oregon isn't happening this year? Are you happy that, ah, what's a big, somebody, somebody give me a a big non-conference matchup between an SEC team and somebody else that's not happening now because uh, of the restructuring. Okay. But imagine, keep up, keep those in perspective. USC, Alabama, Alabama was going to slap the dickens out of them. USC, Notre Dame. That's a better one. Stanford, Notre Dame. Those, those teams have been playing for 80 plus years every single year. Right. While we want that to happen, it can happen without consistency from the entire nation from up top. So we need to be rooting for the players. And now at this point, for them to make the decision that is in their best interest, not only for their health and safety, but for the longevity of their success as well. That is really important. We're seeing a lot of fans not doing that. And it's not productive. LSU, Texas, another one. Great example. Well, you know what? LSU, Texas could have happened, right? Both, both conferences, at least the Big 12, left a spot in their schedule. We're seeing UTSA schedule non-conference game against Big 12 teams. I think Oklahoma. We saw Clemson schedule the Citadel. LSU, Texas, geographically, it actually makes some sense, right? If I'm in the ACC and I'm Syracuse and I have to go down to Florida to play Florida State to Tallahassee, that makes no sense if I... if they but LSU, or excuse me, let me rephrase that. If I'm Syracuse and I have to travel down to Tallahassee to play Florida State or vice versa, that somehow makes more sense than LSU playing Texas in a non-conference. It, that, that to me doesn't make sense. Right? Oh, Iowa State being able to play, but Iowa not being able to play doesn't make sense. We need consistency for the fandom, for the rivalries, for the hatred to be there. We need the players. We need the programs to be successful. You think if Auburn absolutely sucked that the Iron Bowl would be fun? 
No. I know this because I was part of a rivalry for four years. That wasn't fun because Oregon dominated every single time. I wish Oregon State was better. I wish those games were more competitive. We need these players to be successful. We need our rivals. We need the entire nation to find success in order for this institution to work, in order for what we want to happen to really happen. The conference-only schedule, scheduling a group of five team or an FCS team is fine for now, but it, it, the longevity of the game is based around our support for these athletes as a whole at the end of the day. And that has to start at the recruiting level. And that is going to bring me to the final topic I want to talk about here today. And that's the big questions surrounding recruiting as we move forward, right? A year of eligibility back from a recruit standpoint is really bad if I'm a senior or junior in high school and I want to go to a big program. I don't want to be buried on the depth chart. I want to play right away. If I'm a quarterback, if I'm a wide receiver, if I'm a tackle, if I'm a punter, there are punters from Australia who go to Ohio State and Georgia every year that start right away as freshmen. Georgia currently has the best punter in the nation. And if you want to retain a year of eligibility back, well, then you're ruining what ends up being a, a pretty consistent feeder to your program. There's a lot of stipulations, right? Quarterback U, for example, schools that are consistently great at developing quarterbacks. If those quarterbacks, and I'm going to go with Oklahoma right now, if Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, who currently has all, he redshirt, he's a redshirt freshman. He played two games last year. Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma decides that he wants to retain his year of eligibility. Does that does Caleb Williams really decide that I'm still going to go to Oklahoma because now this guy is going to have to be here for at least two more seasons? I'm the number one quarterback in the nation. I have the skills to start right away for a big program and be successful. Odds are, odds are, he's not going to want to do that. Esteban says LSU is a pipeline for Aussie kickers. Yeah, the SEC, man. The SEC in Washington. I don't know what it is about Seattle, but Aussies love Seattle. Maybe it's just the stark difference in weather. But I agree, yeah. So, I mean, but that further proves my point, Esteban, right? If you have a beer punter and he's and he's staying, the pipeline is messed up. If, you have, if you're a, a quarterback-oriented school that consistently pushes out great quarterbacks, that ruins your pipeline. It doesn't ruin it, but it sets it back. And that's why I think we're going to see some of these athletes end up going to smaller schools or schools that we're not accustomed to seeing getting big names or blue chip athletes. Yes. Hey, Ryan Meyer, how are we doing? Yes. Hashtag Gators. Yes. The SEC has great punters. I, I understand. I understand. By the way, quick story. Um, the reason I went to Oregon, I was actually in Atlanta. Ha. <laughs> I, I, I was in Atlanta. Uh, I was flying back from Atlanta. I, had, I was on a high school thing out there in Atlanta. Uh, I went to school in Southern California. And I flew back on a Delta flight from Atlanta, Georgia to LAX. And I sat next to Ian Wheeler, the punter for Oregon, who was at the time the third rated punter in the nation, actually. Uh, I saw his backpack and it had the little Oregon tag. It had the Ian Wheeler tag. And I said, and I said oh, uh, you're the punter at, at Oregon. I'm considering Oregon. For the next five hours, and mind you, this was two days before the teams were supposed to report for the Rose Bowl. They were getting ready to play Florida State. That's why he was flying. He's from Atlanta. He's playing in the Rose Bowl. So I got stuck sitting next to him for six hours on my flight. For those six hours, he just pitched to me the University of Oregon. And I said, wow, this place is amazing. That's why I'm going to Oregon because of punter. So, yes, I understand that he has great punters. I love punters. I went to Oregon because of a punter. But my point stands. 
my point stands. We are going to wake up on Saturday morning and watch a virtual college game day with no fans. There will be one fan there, Jordan, and it's going to be the fan that hoist that that Washington State flag that you see at every game day. By the way, that Washington State flag has been at every game day since 2003. They ship it. They have a massive alumni web, and they every single week they, they have an Excel sheet that goes throughout the season, and they find alumni. You could have game day in North Dakota, which they did. Actually, it was at South Dakota State last year, excuse me, when they played each other. And that Washington State flag was still there. So, yeah, you may see you may see uh, a virtual game day with no fans, but I guarantee you they're going to find a way to get that Washington State flag on game day. Ryan Meyer says, yes, the smaller schools will get to compete more. Absolutely. And, you know, we're accustomed to seeing UCF. We're accustomed to seeing at times San Diego State or Boise State or Utah State. Or there were times when Marshall or Miami of Ohio or now Appalachian State and Liberty. How about Charlotte? Shout out to Charlotte. Second year at the FBS level making it to a bowl game. We're going to see schools like that. Memphis, who's already retaining really good recruits. We're going to see HBCUs like Howard get more love from higher, better recruits because the opportunity is simply going to be there. Yes, Washington State, exactly. Every game day, every game day since 2003, that Washington State flag has been present. Uh, I saw Bossman Blake ask Jordan, what about waking up to an AYS? Well, the thing is, Blake, is that it would still be virtual. So technically, I think that what Jordan is saying is on par with what you're saying. I don't think Jordan is saying that we're going to wake up and see the, the, the typical squad, Kirk and, and Chris and, and all those guys. I think he's saying we're going to wake up and we're going to watch the AYS virtual game day. Darn right you are. Why not? That'll be fun. Now there's no Pac-12 football, so it'll be hard for me to sit there and talk about the Big 12 matchup. No, it wouldn't be hard at all because this is my job and this is what we do, guys. We have some fun with it. Not a bad idea, though. That'd be fun. We would we would need like we need to get a football helmet. We have a merch store, guys. Go go check out the AYS website. There's a merch store. Go get all your AYS merch. I'm going to talk to Blake about getting That would be cool if we had a football helmet with the AY, hashtag AYS on the side. That would be really cool to get. We got to go get like Russell Athletic to sponsor us. If you have connections at Russell Athletic, which, by the way, the final FBS school to be sponsored by Russell Athletic is Georgia State. Fun fact. Uh, get, a, get us in touch with them. It would be cool to get a football helmet with an AYS logo on it. Maybe do a little game day on Saturday mornings. Talk about some recruiting and whatnot. Keep those questions coming. Love the conversation, guys. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We have about five minutes left until we wrap up and get you out of here. Remember to tune into AYS SEC edition tonight with my man, Blake Rafino, who demoted me last night to intern. And remember, my job security is uh, my job security is in your hands. So the more likes, the more views, the more subscriptions we get, the more you comment and converse with us the safer I am from being let go of AYS. So if you care about me, and I know I've only been here for two weeks and we just met, but I care about you. So if you, you care about me just a little bit, we're, we're going to help We're gonna help Rifkin out here. We're going to help Rifkin out here after you got demoted last night in AYS. Ryan Meyer, ran into an OU fan. He said, OU would do better in the SEC than UF and Auburn. Uh, no. You need defense in the SEC. That's the Big 12 fans are like all the big, you know what? I'll tell you what the Big 12 fans and the Pac 12 fans are somewhat similar because we like to look at offense, right? We are offensively touted conferences. Yeah, we have some good defenses, 
Cal is really good here in, in, in Northern California and Berkeley, Oregon, obviously probably the top five or six defense in the nation. I'm about to get a massive onslaught of SEC fans telling me I'm wrong, but that go look at the stats, go look at the players and tell me I'm wrong. That I, that's all I have to say on that. But, uh, you know, OU fans are looking at this insane offense. And, and by the way, look what happened last year. Look what happened to, to the fourth seeded Oklahoma Sooners last year in the playoff. And you're going to sit here and tell me that that team, even if they had Jalen Hurts, and they were, they were better last year than I think we're going to see this year. Where were, you really think, I don't think they could have beaten Auburn last year. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think OU, I think OU would probably finish. Ooh. They would lose to Bama, LSU, Florida, Georgia, Auburn. I think that OU and AM are pretty comparable. I know that's that's weird, but the Big 12 is 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 top heavy. It's like the it's like the Pac 12 in a sense. The Pac 12 beats up on each other because UCLA decides to score 60 points at 11:30 at night or 2:30 on the East Coast time against Washington State. But for the most part, for the most part, it's a top-heavy conference as well. Utah, Oregon, at one year it's USC, one year it's Washington, maybe Stanford here and there, and that's about it. Arizona State, you're going to see in the Pac-12 is probably going to take over the South. But it's the same thing right now with the Big 12, right? It's it's a very top-heavy conference. TCU made a run at the end of the year last year. I wouldn't consider them the best team in the Pac-12. Florida would demolish that defense. It would be a high-scoring game, but Florida has a better defense. You got to score points to win games. Florida would score more points than Oklahoma in that game. I put a take the over. Take the over and bet the spread. And if Florida was playing in Oklahoma, guess what? They're probably going to be favored. So, Ryan, to put your to put your your friend's uh, uh, racing mind and misguided judgments to rest, coming from a guy who sees the point of offense the way that your friend does. Yeah, no, Oklahoma w- w- would not beat the, the top four, maybe five teams soundly. Maybe compete. I can see them competing with Auburn, uh, but they I don't think they would win. Ah, uh, it was a joke. It was a joke. We don't take jokes like that very kindly here on Just Recruiting because it's all conversation. And it's all learning, right? And we just went into this whole thing about the psychology of a Big 12 fan and a Pac-12 fan as it relates to the SEC. So I know it was a joke, but I appreciate that you shared that with me because I thought that actually we made some good points. Esteban says, I was looking forward to see how Oregon was going to do this year. There are some monsters last year, this past recruit, absolutely, especially out of the South, right? They got four quarterbacks and a transfer from Boston College on their roster. And guess what? None of, none of those guys are going to start. It would have been Tyler Shuck, who's been quarterback and waiting behind Herbert. Um, obviously, the defense is, is still there. Kayvon Thibodeau is it, it ready to go to probably be a top five uh, linebacker in the nation. Yeah, Oregon Oregon was going to be really, really fun. But guess what? That's life. You got you to gotta adjust. So you know what? You know what we're going to do? I don't have a team, guys. I don't I don't want to be a, a like a bandwagoner. I don't want to be a bandwagoner and be like, oh, I'm going to jump on the LSU train because I'm working for a, a brand that's based in Louisiana because it would probably appease the heck out of Blake Rafino, And because this School won a national championship and has a head coach that I absolutely love and think that the biggest mistake for USC in my lifetime, and this is a school that paid Reggie Bush and had a butt fumble when they played Texas with Sanchez, with Mark Sanchez, the biggest mistake in my lifetime. Oh, by the way, this is also a school that got into major, uh, 
who wow sorry I lost my train of thought who uh who got in major trouble with uh with paying the tuition for non-athletes claiming that they were athletes so USC and UCLA were part of that so I went to a school riddled with scandal basically my entire life and the biggest mistake that they did that that Lynn Swan did in his time and now Matt Bone is there uh as the athletic director was letting go of Coach O you went from Lane Kiffin to Steve Sarkeesian with a couple of games of Coach O in there. Let that sink in. And we all want to know why USC is in a blue power, blue brand, blue bud blood powerhouse anymore. <sighs> tough. It is tough to be a Pac-12 fan. Let me tell you. If this is a year ago and Herbert is in field shoes, what do you think he's doing? Transferring? No. I know that Herbert had, had the Herbie Heisman uh, campaign last year. But to be completely honest, I think that he was going to be a first-round pick. And I, and I think the Chargers had their sights set on him. This guy grew up a Charger fan. He grew up, uh, he grew up in, in a situation where uh, he was surrounded by Southern California players on his defense from Rancho Cucamonga High School and San Bernardino from Calabasas High School in Calabasas. He's, from, he's surrounded by a lot, of, a lot of players from that area. So it made a lot of sense. Um, I don't think he would have transferred. If he was in Justin Field's shoes, I think that he probably would have just trained as hard as he could to get ready for the NFL. I don't think he would have transferred. Noah Sewell is a beast. Yeah, the fact that Oregon locked him down, only reason was because Panay. Only reason. This guy is a, is a monster from Utah, from the state of Utah. I think he was a top recruit out of the state of Utah this year. Uh, he's, he would be a lot of fun. Hey, but guess what? He's going to, uh, he's going to have an extra year of eligibility. So it's not like we're going to be missing much, though I have a feeling he's going to be pretty highly touted after his second year on that football field and will be a high draft pick. We have about two minutes left, guys. If you have any more questions, comments, concerns, feel free to keep on rolling. Make sure that you tune in tonight to Blake Rafino and company. I think I'm actually running that show. I think Doobie Lane is getting a well-deserved night off from AYS. If he's not, then I just lied to all of you and I apologize because I do my best not to let that happen. But yeah, make sure you tune in regardless to AYS SEC edition tonight. Um, and we'll be back on Tuesday. I'm, we're going to get a, a couple of good guests next week. I promise you that. I'm going to try a, and get a, a better picture of recruiting and how the decisions in the Pac-12, or the Pac-12, wow, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are uh, are affected. So we're going to get on some, some uh, experts from those conferences onto the show. We're going to have those conversations. And, uh, and we'll make sure that you are in the know on everything recruiting and the decisions that are being made and how it impacts recruiting, not just for the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12. And, uh, and wow, am I missing a conference? They see the Pac- Oh, yeah, I am the, uh, the Big 10. Oh, hold on, folks. I just got asked a question. We're not signing off just yet. Burrow or Herbert, who has the better rookie season? Well, Burrow's going to start right off the bat. They have T. Higgins, and John Ross just said today that he's coming back. Oh, and A.J. Green is healthy. Uh, I'm more inclined to say Burrow because he right off the bat, I mean, dude, T, I have T. Higgins. I was in a rookie draft guy. He was my first pick. He's going to be awesome. Uh, and if Burrow pans out the way he's supposed to, Burrow will be better rookie for his rookie season. He's going to start right off the bat. He's going to have... Uh, tangible assets that have already played with credibility in the league. He's going to have John Ross broke out last year, guys. Shout out Washington. Shout out Washington Huskies. Remember when they played Auburn and John Ross tore it up and they still lost? Yeah. There's there's a Pac-12 SEC remembering for you. (laughs) 
Be careful, intern. Yeah, I know, Blake. I know. Um, Herbert's going to have a good rookie year. He's I, I give him till week three, then he's going to start. I don't know if Tyrod's the answer. Um, but I, but I do think that uh, that Burrow right off the bat. I don't know if Bengals have the, a good enough offensive line. But look, Dalton, if, if Dalton was able to get some passes off, I have and with his patience in the pocket and his lack of confidence as that pocket collapses, if Burrow shows the poise that he did with a collapsing pocket at Cincinnati that he did at LSU, there is no shot that this guy with even with a bad offensive line doesn't produce. It's it's just that simple. Um, so with that all being said, let's sign off this way. Uh, between Herbert and Burrow, Burrow's going to have a better rookie season. I think Herbert's in a better system for the long term because that the Chargers are more equipped um, from a management standpoint. And Keenan Allen is just a monster, man. Let me tell you, I think that they're more equipped to make to let Herbert uh, for longevity purposes, at least in the near future, have a really, really successful time as quarterback for the Chargers. So in the Burrow versus Herbert debate, you have two really good options. There's really good arguments for both. Right now, it's going to be Burrow. But we'll check back in as the NFL season rolls around in a couple of months. And maybe week two or week three, we'll revisit this conversation and see if I have a change of heart. Maybe you have a change of heart. But until then, make sure you tune in tonight, AYS SEC edition with Blake Rafino. All of you, get on there and vouch for the intern. Vouch for Jonathan Rifkin because we need to get me back in good terms with boss man Blake. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show here on Landry Football, on the podcast, and on AYS. For everybody here at AYS, special thanks to Blake Rafino and Doobie Lane, to Chris Landry, and to all of you for making me a part of your Thursday afternoon. Have a great weekend. A lot more news is going to break. Make sure you keep it here to AYS for everything that you need to know happening in the college football world. My name is Jonathan Rifkin signing off. We will see you on Tuesday for more of Just Recruiting with Jonathan Rifkin. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.